full evening and I'm going to try and be disciplined in my time. First thing I'd like to say is this. There are lots of things that have been added to Christmas that really are not essential. They're not bad. So if you've got a Christmas tree, good on you. You know, if you have, you know, you have um, Christmas cards and all those things. Please, we're not saying they're wrong, but I'd like us just to think for a few moments about one of the central themes of Christmas. So when family come, we have turkeys and all the rest of it, uh, or turkey. You must have a big family if you've got more than one turkey. But you know, I'd like to just focus in just for a few minutes, not to remind us of what Christmas is all about. You know that. And if you're a visitor or you've been watching online, let me tell you, this is joy that comes from knowing Jesus. You know, we know people can dance and they can shout and all the rest of it. But let me tell you now, the joy that's been in this house tonight is the joy of knowing Jesus. And we, our prayer is that maybe over the Christmas period, something that you've heard or seen or will be a blessing and maybe it will make you feel that maybe Christmas is going to be very special for you. I'd like to read tonight, I'd like to talk about the, the subject of presents and gifts, okay? Now I'm very fortunate, my wife yeah, does all the present shopping she does, and she wraps them all up. Um, slowly, as the grandchildren have got older, they're getting more tokens than they are pyjamas. Um, particularly the 19-year-old, who's not that keen on Donald Duck pyjamas for some reason. But, you know, she does the presents. And the gifts are very much part of what Christmas is about, exchanging and receiving gifts in that way. And thank you for that gift this evening. That's great. Most of that food will be eaten by Toddington Services <laughs> this evening. I'll try and get something home. I thought, Lord, give me something to eat on the way home. and Look how God provided. But no. Let me read to you. I'm going to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Now, I'm feeling a bit nervous because you had a great preacher this morning, so I'm going to try my best. I'm not going to read the whole story. It's the story of the wise men and their visit to Jesus. I'm going to read from verse 7 of chapter 2. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found them them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. We have this occasion. Now, this didn't take place immediately when Jesus was born. We tend to make the shepherds and the wise men, sort of one arrived on Tuesday, the other arrived on Wednesday. There would have been a gap between these two visits. And they were Magi. We're not sure if they were kings. We sing, we three kings of Orient are. We're not sure they were kings, but we know for certain They were um, astrologers, um, astronomers, who would have looked at the stars and would look for signs. And God gave them a sign. They followed that sign and it brought them to Jesus. Three things I'd like to highlight very quickly, if I may. First of all, 
the destination. They'd set off, some believe, maybe from Persia or Arabia in this journey. And they traveled. Now, many of us will travel to places. You know, where are you going for your holidays? Oh, we're going to Bridlington. Very good, I'll meet you there. Okay? Or I'm going to America or I'm going there. A lot of journeys we take are to places. But these men were not traveling to a place, they were traveling to a person. And Christmas is not an event. At Christmas, I'll be traveling to uh, Coventry, uh, maybe traveling to Hull possibly, I don't know. But I'll be traveling to places. But that's not why I'm traveling. I'm traveling to the people that are in Coventry and the people that are in Hull where family and are connected. And these men set out and their destination was a person, not a place. In verse 11, it says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the child. And this is what it was about. That was the whole purpose of the journey. Every mile, every problem they faced was now worth it. Because it says in verse 11, when they saw the child, it says they bowed down and worshipped him. And you know, that's what Christmas is really about. It's finding Jesus discovering who he is, bowing down before him and worshipping him. If you have the King James Version, the authorised version, we find there it says they fell down. The NIV says that they bowed down. Either way, on coming to Jesus, they knew that the response, even to the baby, was that they should worship him. And I pray, as we pray, that maybe if you're not a Christian, this Christmas, you might Start that journey to find Jesus. Now, I don't know how long it will take. For some people, it's a very short journey. For some, it's a very long journey. But I know at the end of it that when we discover who Jesus Christ is, when we come to know him, that will be our response. We will bow down and we will worship him. We enjoy Christmas. We enjoy all that goes on. If I could call it the trimmings almost. But at the centre of it, we have had a gift. I don't know what presents you're going to get this year. As I get older, it's harder to buy for me. I just say to people, I'll just take the money, thank you. <laughs> Even that seems to be drying up a bit, but you know. But let me tell you this, if you don't get any other present this Christmas, God gave you Jesus Christ as a gift to you. And you may not get something from Marks and Spencers. Yep, he is... You know, I put on the top of this message the gift that keeps on giving, which is a, from some advert, I'm sure, somewhere. And he came. And their destination was a person, not a place. Secondly, not only do we see their destination, but their devotion. Now, you might think, well, surely their devotions will fall down and worship him. No, their devotions went further than that. It tells us there that when they got there... Um, where the place was the child was, they were overjoyed, they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense and myrrh. You see, their devotion cost them something. Yeah. Now, if anybody ever told you that being a Christian was going to be an easy choice, I'm afraid they misled you. The Christian life is a discipleship life. It's a life where we seek to live for him instead of living for ourselves. And we're told that these treasures, that, that just shows us what value they had upon this. They brought these gifts with them, not knowing the circumstances. They thought they were going to a palace in Jerusalem. Then they bumped into Herod. If there was a pantomime, every time I said the name Herod, I'd want you all to boo. But, but we're not at a pantomime, we, we're not, you know. 
So they said they opened up their treasures and presented to him. I just wonder, what gifts would you give to the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, let me tell you, he doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything but you. You can't buy him a, a gift token. He wouldn't know where to spend it. You can't give him, it's just impossible to give God anything. But what God does want, he wants you. Now these men weren't aware of all that was going to happen, how Christ would live and how he would die and rise again. So they brought three treasures with them. And it says there, they opened their treasures to him. Their focus was on the child. The gifts were not known to the baby. The baby was not aware, but Mary and Joseph obviously would. We're told that the first gift they brought was gold. Now gold was for a king. Even in these gifts, we see the Holy Spirit prophetically speaking about the life of this baby, what was in store for the child. You know, whenever we dedicate a child, we pray God's blessing and health and strength and wealth and all those things about every, every child of the house. Of course we do. But in these gifts, there was a significant, clear statement from God as to why this child was born. He wasn't born so you could have some presents or you could meet up with your family. He was born for a purpose. And in these gifts, we see his identity. First of all, we see gold because he was a king. In Revelation chapter 113, we've got a picture there of the risen, well, not the risen Christ, the exalted Christ. And he has a gold sash around his chest. Gold speaks of kingship. It speaks of rulership. I was interested to read that this gold actually probably sustained Mary and Joseph who left to go to Egypt to save the baby Jesus. I told my wife, they said, do you know, I've just realised that this gold kept them going when they're in Egypt. And she said, I know that. <laughs> it's terrible. Don't ever share with your wife your sermon before you preach it because she'll say, heard it, heard it. Well, yes, even in the gold, there was that presentation. You wonder, well, why was Jesus not rich if he had all the gold? I think they spent it in Egypt, surviving in that situation. Secondly, they brought incense. Now, incense was part of worship. Exodus 37, incense and the high priest and the tabernacle and the temple, it all spoke of worship. So if the king spoke of his kingship, sorry, the gold spoke of his king, the incense spoke of his deity. He was the son of God. He was the one to be worshipped. You wouldn't burn incense to me. It was part of the Old Testament worship to God in praise and worship. We don't burn incense now. We worship him in the Holy Spirit and praise his name. But then it spoke of his identity. First of all, a gold because he was a king. Incense because he was the son of God. Then the last present they brought was myrrh. Now myrrh, spoke of him being a saviour. There was an element of bitterness in myrrh. It's used in embalming, I'm told. In fact, in Genesis 37, when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, the camel train that took him to Egypt, which was a very deep time of bitterness, I can assure you, they were merchants in myrrh. And so we find that myrrh is mentioned at his birth. Matthew 2.11 it's also mentioned at his death in Mark 15, 23. And they offered him, this is on the cross, they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. And so in these three gifts that could seem random, far from it, 
They were as prophetic as anything. They spoke of his kingship, his deity, and that he would be the saviour. And being the saviour meant he would have to die. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The father gave his son, not just to us, but to the cross and to death and to resurrection, that you and I might be able to dance on a Saturday night in London, that we can praise and worship, knowing not that we're better than anybody else, we've just been forgiven. We enjoy the fact that God has forgiveness because of what Jesus Christ has done. So the gold, because he was a king, the incense, because he was God, the myrrh, because he was the saviour. So we have their destination, we have their devotions, and just so Mark got three points, we see their discipleship. Because it says in verse 12 there, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another way. They had to be obedient to God. It was more than just an act of obedience for them. Had they returned to Herod, Herod would have found out where Jesus' family were, and we know they would have been killed, without a doubt. We know they have the, what the, the world would call the slaughter of the innocents, and with such a, a large mixed group of ages here, we won't go into all the story in that sense. But let me tell you, Herod said, tell me where he is and I'll come and worship. If ever there was a man that was lying, it was that man. He had no intention of worshipping Jesus. He wanted to put down any threat to his rulership and his kingdom. And so the wise men, their discipleship meant obeying. Don't go that way, go that way. And they did what God says. And that's what discipleship's about. It's quite simple, it's just doing what God says. 99% of the things that God will tell you to do are in this book. Occasionally, there may be a prophetic word or something may come in your direction, but most of the time, it's in this book. And so, bringing this to a conclusion, let me just ask you three very simple questions, if I may. How far would you travel to meet Jesus? How far would you travel to meet Jesus? Jesus. But sometimes it wouldn't be a geographical distance, by the way. It could be an attitude. It could be a position that you've taken in the past. Are you prepared to, to move your position? Are you prepared to open your heart and say, well, look, I'll investigate, Gordon. I'll think about this a bit more. I just thought it was an excuse for an office party. No, sir. It's not an excuse for an office party and it's an excuse for you to give your life to him who gave himself for you. So the first question is, how far would you travel to meet Christ? Secondly, how much would you spend on him if you were to buy him a present? How much would you spend on him? No, I know how much my wife's going to spend on me. Exactly what I've spent on her. Without a doubt, if I can get an extra penny, I won't, no? Well, no, how much would you spend on Christ? So, well, a hundred pounds? No, no, no. A thousand? Ten? No, 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 friends. How much would you spend? What would you give him? He doesn't need your car. He doesn't need your house. He doesn't need your, your watch. He doesn't need, he wants your heart. He say, oh, I didn't think I was going to be spending that much. But that's what he wants. 
How much would you spend? If I said, would you give him £100, you'd say yes. £5, yes, depending on your circumstances. But let me tell you now, if you want to give him something, give him your heart. Because that's why he died for you. You're loved before you become a Christian. You're loved when you are a Christian. You're just loved by him. And lastly, have I said lastly yet? Verse, chapter 2, verse 2 says this. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Where is he tonight? Where is Christ in your life tonight? Where is he? That's what the wise men wanted to know. Where is he? They went to a palace thinking he'd be in Jerusalem at the palace and bumped into bad Herod. Where is he in your life? Christian friends, where is he in your life? Let's turn the focus away from those who may not be Christians for a moment. Where is he in your life? You say, well, Gordon, last year he was a lot closer than he is now. Well, why don't you decide this Christmas to bring him into the very centre of your life? You say, well, lockdown, this, that. Yeah, listen, let me tell you now. I'm not, I'm not listening to it. Not listening to it. Because I can do it. I can come up with why I can't and why I do and what I don't. At the end of the day, Christian friend, we need to know where he is. And that's at the centre of our lives. That brings a challenge. Of course it does. Because we want to be in charge. But if he's the king and he's God and he's the saviour, then he has got to be in charge. So for those who may not be Christians, and we are thrilled that you're part of this service, whether in the building or online, and we certainly don't want to take advantage of this, but we have to ask you the question, where is Christ in your life tonight? You say, well, he's outside. Gordon, if you knew what I was like, you'd know he wouldn't want to come inside. Let me tell you now, he wants to come inside your life. He wants to forgive you what you've done wrong and give you peace. Throughout the Christmas story, peace is mentioned several times. And he wants you to have peace because you know that his death for you meant your sins are forgiven. Say it many times. There's just two types of people in this room. There's people, we're all sinners, but just some of us have been forgiven. Why don't you join the forgiven group tonight? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for all that we've seen and heard this evening. The enthusiasm, the, the variety of nations and dance and costume. It's been, been a thrill, Lord. But Lord, now we just want to take the focus away from your church, your church worldwide, and just ask ourselves the question, where is he? Christian friends, where is he? If he's not at the centre... Why don't you decide this Christmas to bring him back to the centre of your life? And if you're not a Christian tonight, please, would you consider inviting him into your heart and life, asking him to forgive you? And I promise you that if you ask, he will. Father, I pray for anyone tonight who doesn't know you, whether in the room or at home, that they will just open their hearts to you, asking you, to come into their life. I'd like to say a short prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. It can be said at your home, online, or where you're sat. Just a small prayer 
for those who wish to begin, oh, may I say begin, the journey with Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the greatest gift of all. We thank you that he is the Saviour, and that when he died upon the cross, he died there for me. I ask you to forgive my sins, which are many, to cleanse me, to forgive me, and to give me your peace. Help me to live for Christ and not myself. I ask you now, Lord, please become my Saviour, become my Lord, become my God, and help me to live for you. Amen. Amen. Now, if you, hang on, sorry, thank you, it's kind. If you prayed that prayer, whether online or not, if it was online, you'll find that there will be um, uh, lines to contact us and we will gladly pray with you on the website. Or if it was the scene you prayed that prayer, and we know that for many of you who've got young children, you'll want to get off, but please, we have a team of folk that'll be down about here who would love to speak to you if you prayed that prayer and would like further knowledge. Or else, please, start coming to the church and we pray that every time you come, we'll encourage you and build you up in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, may I say, Kensington Temple, have a great Christmas. Thank you.